And I read as we begin Mark 7, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. How tragic it is when formalism reigns supreme in the practice of religion. To the spiritual mind, it is unfathomable how men can fearlessly contend for human tradition while they just as quickly ignore or rebel against the plain, open teachings of God's Word. Earlier in Mark's Gospel, we encountered a very strange group of people whom we designated the United Nitpickers of Galilee. The United Nitpickers were alive and well as they followed Jesus everywhere that he went. They dogged his steps every inch of the way until they had crucified him on the cross. And in this passage of Scripture, it is revealed that they were much more concerned with the ceremony and the form that they had come to practice in the name of religion than they were with the conditions of their heart. Notice, first of all, in verses 1 to 5, as we do no more this evening than develop what the text teaches. First of all, these who were more concerned with their hands than their hearts, first of all, they were finding fault. It says in verse 1, they, there came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes who came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. Now, why did they find fault? They found fault because they were looking for it. And the critical mind can find room for criticism even in the life and character of the sinless Son of God. And if the critical mind may criticize Christ, it ought to be rather obvious that if we choose, we can criticize anybody for anything. They found fault. Why did they find it? Because they were looking for it. And what was the rap against him? Some of his disciples ate with unwashing hands, or literally, the Greek says, unbaptized hands. Now, they had a, a ritual that they went through for ceremonial cleanness that didn't have anything to do with the difference between being clean and being dirty. They had developed over the centuries a tradition that was more important to them than cleanliness was, and they had substituted their traditions for the more weightier matters of the law. Now, the way that they would wash before they ate was this. A servant would come with a cup of water with a precise amount of water in it. The man would hold his hands away from his body with his fingertips pointing upward, and a precise amount of water would be poured onto each hand. 
when each hand had so been baptized, they would first take the one fist and wash the hand with it, and then the other fist and wash the hand. Now in the act of doing that, they had transferred some more dirt, and so before they were ceremonially clean, they would stand with the hands held downward. And the exact same amount of water would then be poured onto each hand which would then be dried with a ceremonially clean towel. Now, they did that before every meal and between every course. Weighty matters indeed they criticized the disciples of Christ for. Because they ate with unbaptized hands. Now, why was it that they were able to criticize for something like that? Because their standard was not God's standard, it was man-made. The question they put to Jesus was this. Uh, they said to him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? No mention, no concern with God's word, but only with the forms that they had come to accept as a part of their religion. It is always a mistake for God's people to take up with forms and ceremonies and traditions which have no basis in Scripture. Nothing is worthy to be counted a good work in the sight of God that is not authorized by Scripture. The Bible is complete. It does not lack anything. It does not leave any option or any situation uncovered. And anything that is extra-scriptural is ungodly and sinful. And they had substituted the need for cleanliness and the need for worship with a tradition that had no meaning from the Scripture, no relation to the Scripture. And they were able to criticize even Jesus not because there was anything wrong with what he did, but because he didn't do it the way they thought that he ought to. The Bible they had in their possession was our Old Testament. They had it in its completeness. And during the centuries preceding the time of Christ, they had amplified the Bible, they had added to it, they had commented on it, and they had gathered together in one huge volume, several times longer than the Bible their interpretation of the Scriptures, which contained thousands of laws and rules for living. But in so doing, Jesus bears witness of them that they have substituted tradition for the things of God. First of all, notice these who were more concerned with form than reality. First of all, they were finding fault. And then notice in verses 6 to 13, they were foregoing faith. In verses 6 to 8, the Lord Jesus quotes the prophecy of Isaiah who said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the traditions of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things you do. Here is the prophecy that the Lord Jesus 
hearkened back to to show that God had predicted that it would be so, that the time would come when God's people, rather than accepting God's word, would be more concerned with their own ideas. Indeed, the book of Proverbs says, and I quote, a simpleton is not so concerned with understanding as he is with what he thinks. What I think is irrelevant to what the Bible says. And when I think that which contradicts the Bible, guess who's wrong? Forgoing faith, they substituted their traditions rejecting God's word. Jesus said in verse 8, you lay aside the commandment of God. And then in verse 9 through 13, in verses 6 to 8, the prophecy. In verses 9 to 13, he describes the problem. The real problem is this. He names it in verse 9. Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own traditions. They had thousands of laws that they had substituted for God's word. God's word in its original as we have it did not concentrate on rules and regulations for every situation. God's word rather and the ten words of commandment, what we call the ten commandments are perfect illustrations. They dealt with principles of life. You shall do no murder. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall worship God and Him alone. They dealt with great principles, but for some reason during these centuries the Jews had done away with all of that and in the place of the broad commandments that dealt with the principles of life, they had tried to cover every situation with an inflexible code that as far as they were concerned could not be broken. And Jesus points out how they have ignored the plain teachings of God's Word while giving full authority to tradition. The illustration that Jesus uses here is interesting. It was written in the law of Moses that a man should honor his father and mother above all other people as long as he lived. And yet the Jews had developed a tradition whereby someone could refuse to take care of his parents in their old age and blame it on God. They would come to the temple and say to their mother or their father, Everything that I have in the world with which I could help you is now dedicated to God. Therefore, I cannot help you anymore. It was merely a way that the Jews had found to escape their responsibility to their own flesh and blood. And Jesus said, you have substituted your tradition for God's commandment to care for your parents. How tragic when tradition is placed in front of God's Word. And when God's Word is turned away from and ignored because it makes us uncomfortable, the reason that the Pharisees reacted to Jesus was because every time He opened His mouth, the Holy Spirit started stomping all over Him. There wasn't anything wrong with what Jesus said. The prophets encountered the same thing. Read the book of Micah, perhaps the book of Amos, where the people say to the prophet, Get off our backs! Talk about love and brotherhood and sweetness and light and good times, but don't say anything that indicts our sin. And yet the prophet is commanded 
by the Lord, and the Lord Jesus lifted it out, lived it out to proclaim without fear or favor the simple truth of God's word. Now, why, why did the Pharisees react to what Jesus said? Was it his fault? Whenever anybody reacts against Scripture, wherever the Scripture is found, whatever the format, wherever it comes from, when you react against Scripture, it's a signed confession of guilt. And why should we try to bounce our heads off the rock of ages? If the Scripture says it and it indicts us, why don't we just confess it and be done with it? If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The root of sin is within. If the Lord Jesus had not pointed their sin out, it would still be there. His pointing it out did not produce it, it merely revealed it. Jesus wanted from them not their clean hands, but He wanted from them clean hearts. And yet here they were, finding fault, and foregoing faith. And then notice in verses 14 to 23, here they are forgetting filth. Jesus shows clearly in this passage that adherence to tradition can mean disobedience to God. Beginning in verse 14, which we read, he points out the principle in verses 14 to 16. He said, it is not as the Jews teach, those things which you eat that make you unclean in God's sight. It is rather what comes out of you that makes you unclean in God's sight. Here is the principle. And then notice he says in verse 16, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. The word of God is the word of God. It is true. Believe it, it is true. Reject it, it is true. It is true regardless of how you and I react to it. Jesus said, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And then the explanation of that principle that he stated in verses 17 to 23. What Jesus says is that real defilement is of the soul and that nothing outside of you can make you unclean in God's sight. Not circumstance, not the influence of others, for the root of sin is inside, not in your companions. The root of sin is within, not around you. And whatever comes out is what we are made of. The Pharisees blamed their problems on Jesus. Jesus did not make them what they were, but their reaction to Him merely revealed what they were. This doesn't seem to be so outstanding or so unusual. And yet, what Jesus said in this passage is probably the most revolutionary statement in the New Testament. It sounds rather simple. It makes sense to us that a man is either clean or unclean in God's sight because of what's on the inside of him. But no self-respecting Jew of Jesus' day believed that, and the Orthodox Jews of today do not believe it yet. You see, that was the most revolutionary statement 
in the Bible because the Jews cared more about their tradition than they cared about anything else. Multiplied thousands of them had died for what they believed, not for God, but for their traditions. Some interesting examples of this come out of the period between the Old and the New Testament. During this period, there was a family led by a man named Judas Maccabee who led the Jews in successful revolt for a period of time against foreign domination. And after the Maccabean Revolution, they were then again recaptured under a king from Syria named Antiochus. And Antiochus hated the Jews as much as Adolf Hitler did. And he did everything that he could to stamp out the Jews. He knew that the Jews would die before they would defile themselves. And so he decreed that all of the Jews, if they wanted to live, had to eat pork. Now, you know, I can see dying for God, and it may come to that in our country, and we need to be willing to do it. But God never intended that a man die over a piece of ham or a bacon sandwich. But the Jews believed so strongly in their tradition that they were willing to die. There is a section of historical books that is not in our Bible called the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha are history books from the period of time between the Old and New Testament that did not make it into our Bible. The book of Maccabees is reliable history, and I want to read you a portion of what Jesus was doing away with when he said that. This is from 2 Maccabees chapter 7. It happened also that seven brothers and their mother were arrested and were being compelled by the king under torture with whips and cords to partake of pork. One of them, acting as their spokesman, said, What do you intend to ask and learn from us? For we would rather die than transgress the traditions of our fathers. The king fell into a rage and gave orders that pans and cauldrons be heated. These were heated immediately. And he commanded that the tongue of their spokesman be cut out and that they scalp him and cut off his hands and his feet while the rest of the brothers and the mother looked on. When he was utterly helpless, the king ordered them to take him to the fire still alive and to fry him in a pan. The smoke from the pan spread widely, but the brothers and their mother encouraged one another to die nobly, saying, The Lord God is watching over us and in truth has compassion on us, as Moses declared in his song which bore witness against the people to their faces when he said, And he will have compassion on his servants. This chapter goes on to record how one after the other, all seven of these brothers and their mother died because they didn't want to eat pork. Now, when Jesus told the Jews that nothing that goes into your body can make you unclean, he was really bucking something. For they were very proud, and rightly so, of their heritage. And many thousands of their people had died for their traditions. And it fell to the Lord Jesus his task to tell them that somewhere along the line they had substituted their traditions 
for God's word. And they forgot the filth of their souls just so that their hands could be washed in a prescribed manner. Notice from Mark 7, 21 to, 20, 1 to 23, that nothing is too trivial for one who is turned away from the Word of God. And there is a question to be dealt with. It is a hazard of being religious. It is a hazard of being a Christian. That question is, in our own lives, day by day, what are we most concerned with? Dirty hands or a dirty heart? Do we substitute pet traditions for the Word of God? Do we, as Jesus charged them later, strain at a gnat while swallowing a camel? Does God care more for our hands or our hearts? May we pray. Father, teach us to draw our priorities from your word. Teach us, as your word says so plainly, that when we condemn others, we condemn ourselves. Teach us, Lord, that judgment is committed to one man, and that's the man Jesus. Teach us to realize that we each one stand or fall, not on the basis of what we do publicly, but on the basis of what's in our hearts. Rob us of our self-righteousness. Forgive us the presumptuous sin of criticizing and condemning others who are just the same exact thing we are, sinners saved by grace. Lord, forgive us when we forget the filth of our hearts on some pretext. When we forego faith, when we find fault, cleanse us, accept us, not because we're worthy, but because Jesus has died to pay for our sins. Father, may we not emulate the example of those who dogged Jesus everywhere he went. May we rather surrender every day completely to you so that you may cleanse us and put our feet on the rock. Show us how hopeless we are without your mercy. And teach us that the mercy you have shown us is to be shown to others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.